You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Run like a wild man. I watched you struggle and I watched you wrestle with them angels. From Auburn University, Bo Jackson. Yeah. Stadium time is 8.57 p.m. Central Daylight Time. Your digital audio device is tuned into the Orange and Truth podcast, harpered by collegeandmagnolia.com. Greetings and salutations, Orange and Truthers. It is I, Drew Croson, at Crow 2 on Twitter, at Crow on Venmo. To one side of me is the rumor monger via the magic of Skype, Ryan Starrett, at Ryan S. Starrett. The S stands for shirt on watching the Braves clinching the division. I like the fact that you might have just jinxed them. There's a chance. I mean, hey, look, if they give up ten runs with one out left in the ninth, man, I, uh, I won't watch baseball ever again. It's pretty, pretty Atlanta. Look, they're not the Falcons. Okay. <laughs> to the other side of me, giving you full Fort Payne ASMR. A guy who knows the ball has to the the ball can be touched by the receiving team before it travels ten yards. The AU chief. All right, mate. You know, actually, Ryan. Apparently, the Falcons coach, who is still gainfully employed by the team, said that the players all know the rules and that they're actually told to to watch the ball and just, if they think it's not going to make it ten yards, to you know, don't that worry one was about clearly. It gonna make it 10 yards it's not like it just kind of know. inched up to it it was it had a head of steam coming as a cowboys fan we're usually on the other end of those players doing dumb stuff and so it was it was happy to be on the on the way i told end. you when it was Shout a out. 20 point game and i said oh falcons are gonna blow this aren't they yeah and you Shout said out oh no prescott. they're going 0 and 16 yeah shout out to dak prescott shout mm-hmm. out to dak Won me my uh, second in a row. Two, I'm on a hot streak in uh, fantasy uh, football. So he's my favorite Mississippi State Bulldog. The uh, the Ryan the thing that uh, Crow was referring to about uh, it being okay to touch the ball while you're not offside if the other team touched it first is uh, that did uh, the Braves just give up some runs behind you there? Uh, they walked somebody with oh, two man. outs in the ninth. It begins. Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, there was a, a point where uh, Everton striker Dominic Calvert-Lewin was oh, yeah. uh, was flagged offside. and um, But it turns out that uh, he was flagged offside because they thought it had come off of Richarlison, Brazilian number nine, uh, his head, but actually had come off the other team's head. So that means that Dominic Calvert-Lewin was not offside. And the crappiest of crap goals that he scored uh, from what would have been an offside position was actually a good, uh, a clean goal uh, on his way to a hat trick. Yeah, it was a big day for him for DCL. Big day. And again, that at one point was tied 2 2, and I was howling. When that yeah, was well, the case. I, I was I was actually <laughs> never worried about right. the, the, the game. It was, uh, well, they had, it, it, they had like nine guys at that point. 
Yeah, they were down. Yeah, down to. It was one uh, zero at one point, and then uh, uh, Everton got on the ball and was up two two one, and then immediately after halftime, West Brom went up. Uh, or tied it up at two two, but never scored again. West Brom United, home of some of the ugliest green and yellow kits. I don't. And I, it's it's weird because those are cool colors, and yet soccer I, I teams with those colors never do it right. I said this exact thing uh, to to James Jones is someone needs to tell Norwich and West Brom yeah. that those colors you can actually make a nice looking uniform with those colors, but yeah. uh, neither one of them can seem to do it. But of course, West Brom that's that's a new like they usually don't have those colors, right? Uh, and uh, at least since I've been watching, if that, West Ham can make those colors look good, surely. West Brom can make green and yellow look good. No, they can't. West Brom's normal colors are green and and blue. I I don't I don't really know why they brought the yellow in. Maybe it's they used to use yellow or something. But yeah, it's pretty ugly. Pretty so in, ugly. in other Eurosport, you guys, it was the Tour de France ended on Sunday, and uh, Saturday was maybe one of the best bike races I've ever seen in my entire life. So, as most people might not know, Sunday is a mostly traditional stage, or ceremonial stage. No one passes. So, if you win the yellow jersey by Saturday, then you basically have won the race. You, mm. Not basically, you have. Saturday is just a victory. Sunday is just a victory lap. So I'm sure the Falcons could screw that up. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, you could crash or break your leg and you're out of the race. But you ha- all, you, all you really have to do is finish on Sunday if you're in first and you win um, because the real racing is done Saturday. So going in for, for over two of the three weeks worth of days of the tour, a, a guy named Primoz Roglic, Slovenian former professional ski jumper who turned into a cyclist somehow, um, had been in the lead and had been dominant and his team had been dominant like, no one could come close to it. His team had been um, fending off every attack. He had more. He had teammates winning stages on their own just because he didn't want to win every stage, basically. It, it, was, it was one of the more impressive team effort bike races I've ever seen. But there was this other guy, also Slovenian, who is 21 years old, named today Pojakar. And today was never all the way in striking distance because he had a really bad day on like the third day of the tour. So he was kind of all the way kind of in the back and so no one cared about him. But he had slowly worked his way back up to within a minute. So going into Saturday, he was 56 seconds down, had won a stage already, but it was only it was 56 seconds down. But it was an individual time trial. Now, Ryan, do you know what an individual time trial is in cycling? You're just going by yourself, man? Absolutely. So, in the time trial, is the race of truth, it's called. A race against the I clock. think you think that I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, sure. You're, you're, you're tracking with me. <laughs> An individual time trial, guys, is the race of truth. It is the easiest thing to understand on Earth. Everybody gets to ride the exact same course, but you get to do it one at a time. Whoever has the fastest time wins. So, you can make up time on it because people aren't, like, passing you. However, you can't use your teammates at all. 
you got to go. It's all you. If it's windy, it's you in the wind. If it's a climb, it's you on the climb. And Tade Bojakar was 56 seconds down going into this time trial. Makes up the 56 seconds within a few miles. It was a short time trial, too. It was only an hour long. And he ends up a minute and a half ahead of the guy who was was in yellow, Primoz Roglic, by the end of the time trial. So then it's Roglic's turn. He's going on the course. The whole time he's on the course, he's hearing in his radio what the guy in front of him, who is Tade, is doing. And his radio, his teammates have got to be going, uh, dude, you're, you're 30 seconds down all of a sudden. Uh, you're 40 seconds down. You're 50 seconds down. And so you see this guy just like realizing while riding his bike that he's lost the Tour de France. It was so in, in that instance, it was heartbreaking because you see this guy. By the time he crosses the finish line, he's in shambles because he's he's he lost a race that he had led for two weeks, and his teammates can't help him. His teammates are just watching the watching the other guy go with just their mouths open, like "Holy cow, who is this monster?" Um, but it then turns out Tade Pogacar didn't even have a radio on, so his teammates his team couldn't even talk to him. Because they didn't want any distractions. He just rode his tail off and ended up winning the tour. 21 years old. Youngest winner ever, I believe. Wow, that's crazy. Most guys who win these things are like 27, 28, 29. You don't hit your stride until you're like 30. And this dude's won it. Two years in a row now we've had 21-year-olds win the tour. But, yeah. This dude, 21-year-old, 22nd birthday was Monday. So the day after he won the tour, it was his 22nd birthday. So that's your cycling recap for the weekend. We have world championships this weekend. Are you a bigger fan of his or uh, Lucas at this point? Well, the, ringer, <laughs> the Ringer did an incredible piece on uh, Tade Pojakar is actually the best 21-year-old Slovenian athlete in the world. Um, they did it actually before the last day of the tour. So they were uh, before the, the last time draw. So they were like pressing it. And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, wait, crap, this guy just won the whole thing. And nobody, like, n- nobody, I cannot stress you enough, nobody saw this coming. It was, it was a foregone conclusion that Primoz Rochelet, um, 56 seconds up, had won the tour, was going to head into Paris as champ. Nobody saw this dude making up a minute on a time trial and then putting a minute on. That's an incredible, it was an incredible ride. So, Ryan, we have show notes, it looks like. Yeah. Uh, something like that. So, the big news uh, is we're got – it's Kentucky week, is what I've been told. Kentucky's having a heck of a week, actually. Anthony Davis with that game winner for the Lakers against the Nuggets. Yeah, Bam. Uh, Bam's looking awesome for the Heat. He saved the game, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, that block? Game, uh, is that a game seven? Uh, yeah. And you have uh, Boogie Cousins, who's consistently – Taking shots on Instagram, he's looking better, man. I've been watching. I've been watching them workouts on Instagram. Mobile, Alabama's own Boogie Cousins is gonna mm. gonna be back. You know, he's a uh, a very much a typical Mobile, Alabama, Kentucky fan. Shout out to Nerd. He's very proud of the time he played defense against him. I've seen him wearing Alabama football stuff, and he went to Kentucky. So that's all you need to know. I mean, in his uh, in his defense, why would you go play basketball at Alabama? 
especially at that point when he went yeah. to Kentucky. Um, right. That was, I want to say, Avery's first year. No, it may have Ooh, been before no. that. No, way before, before that. that. Yeah. He's been in the league. He's been in the league for a while. Years, nine years. Because he was part of, that's right, he was part of Cal's like first massive signing class. Him and John Wall and Eric B. Eric he was yeah. on the 2009-2010. Yeah. So who was at Alabama in 2009? Uh, that would have been Mark Gottfried. Who was at Auburn? That was was that Barbie? That was Barbie's first year. How come we didn't get Boogie? <laughs> World Wide West didn't get us Boogie. Come on now. Was Gottfried still there in 09, or had they hired Grant already? I think Gottfried was still there. Uh, Anthony Grant, 2009-2010. Okay. okay. Shout out to Dayton. <laughs> yeah, that was Grant's first season. Okay. He didn't get Boogie either. See, nowadays, I feel like if a DeMarcus Cousins type coming from Mobile... Being probably, a G League. Yeah, he probably goes to G League. But if he didn't go to the G League, <laughs> yeah. he would come to Auburn or Alabama. Maybe. I think Bruce wouldn't let him out. Lou wouldn't let him out of the state. Actually, there's Boogie a better chance. It would be chance. a lot of fun to see play with, in a, with Bruce Pearl. There'd be a better chance that Boogie comes to Auburn if he was from Atlanta than it would be if he's from Mobile. That's true. I mean, we've had. He probably goes to LSU, doesn't he? Yeah. We've had a few guys leave the state since Bruce has been here, though. E.J. Montgomery, right? Yeah. Who's the kid from Auburn High? Went oh, UNC? Uh, that plays in North Carolina? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. He didn't do much against the tournament. So. Well, we're talking basketball, so you know that means we're playing Kentucky in football this weekend. That's right. Uh, Ryan, what's the big news out of out of Auburn's camp? Well, so, I mean, the depth chart came out today. And bum, bum, we bum, hit bum, on bum. it. Hit on it last week, you know, kind of covered all. We were most the, of the depth only chart. podcast that had the guts to cover the depth chart before it was even released. No other podcast has that kind of confidence. But now we have nothing to cover because the depth chart's already been released. Okay, so what do you want to talk about? Well, we were right. Sean Shivers <laughs> is the starter. I mean, I, um, I don't, we didn't really see it coming, but Bo Nix is going to be playing quarterback for us this year. Yeah. The most surprising I, I, I thing is the that veteran presence of uh, Cord was going to win out. But yeah, the most surprising thing is there's only one or across the offensive line. Yeah. So Gus found his top ten, but really more like a top six. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> So if you haven't seen it, the uh, the offensive line is Bernarius Ham at right tackle, Brandon Council at right guard, Nick Brahms at center, Tayshawn Manning at left guard, and then the or is at left tackle, Alec Jackson and Austin Troxel. Uh, another name in the pipeline of defensive line to offensive line at Auburn, Alec Jackson. Yeah. Is that would that be the third or the fourth uh, since Gus has been here, like starting? It's a good lineman. It's the best recruiting uh, hotbed for offensive line talent we've got. Our own, our own defensive line. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think the reason is though is is you just go and you find the biggest, most athletic guys you can find, and then you're like, oh yeah, let's stick these guys at tackle, 
and not defensive tackle. Uh, and Tayshawn Manning was recruited as a defensive lineman too, if I remember correctly. That sounds right. Yeah. Because he was one of those guys that um, he took a few years to get back playing because wasn't it him and Bradarius Ham both had cancer as like after right after we signed him? Sounds, uh, sounds okay. right. Uh, I don't like, know, I know if this is one. Yeah, if this is one of another uh, Ryan, one of the <laughs> rumor mongers. No, I, that, that does sound right. I, I okay, know. not crazy. I know that we've had, you know, Sean Coleman famously had uh, leukemia, right? Mm-hmm. And then right. I think we've had two more, and I think I those think are it was the, both of these guys. Yeah. So. The other thing that stands out to me on the at least on the offensive side is that there is only one senior who's starting, and that's Eli Stove. Mm-hmm. And there's only one other senior on the two deep. That, that's great, Lloyd quarterback. To be fair, Eli Stove's senior status is like counts as like three senior statuses since he's like a seventh year senior. <laughs> right. And he could come back next year. Oh, that's right, man, alive. Yeah, uh, he's probably not got a career in football after Auburn just because of all the knee surgeries he's had. Yeah. So, so why you know, not? Say, yeah. Get the masters, stick it out yeah. another year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing that the thing that jumps out to me is that there are some hosses on this offensive line. Like uh, this is not, um, you know, early in the, Gus versus uh, Belima days, you know, everybody's like, well, Brett Belima gets these big boys across the line or whatever. But uh, I think uh, pretty much anybody just size wise would be proud to have uh, the guys we've got on our line. We got 325, 330, 324, 315, 312, and 299. Those are some big boys. And most of them, they're all over 6'3. Most of them are over 6'4, 6'5. So it's pretty big. It's huge, and, and I think that that's kind of maybe what we want to do, like in terms of like because we're going to try to run the ball more. That's just kind yeah. of Gus's thing. It's probably better for us to have a little bit more heft. Sure. Uh, Chief and I have. talked about this before, where you know the so the only or is at left tackle, and we we're kind of wondering, well, wouldn't you think you would have your left tackle figured out first? And it's right. like, if Bernarius Ham has already won a job, why isn't he the left tackle? But it might be that he's, he's he excels at run blocking, and uh, we, I don't know, maybe we are heavier to the right side. We run. Well, and yeah, I think also you want to have your best pass blocker on the on the left. I mean, just right. to protect that blind side. So uh, unless Brandon Cox is your quarterback. <laughs> Is it strange to have a tight end heavier than your center? I think that's not necessarily the the, the ideal. I doubt that the NFL <laughs> looks at that. Um, but hey, it's awesome to to see a tight end listed on the depth chart. It's I I, I don't see any tight ends because I I don't see any tight ends on here. There's there's tight ends on I this. Think sheet. This is the year that uh, we have to accept the reality that they're out there. <laughs> among us chiefs tied in blind i just see uh i see a bunch of running backs on here and then i then i see um uh well, there's one first baseman 
sure. I don't. I yeah, I just see running backs, and then there's like a just white space, and it goes to wide receiver. <laughs> really white space. <laughs> well, in the case of some of the guys. <laughs> um, so I think that we're we we've talked a little bit about the differences between the what Morris is going to try to do on offense versus what Gus did, um, but. I think Ferguson, another shout out to Justin Ferguson, whose podcast is better than this. Um, <laughs> yes. What he talked about was, it's basically like these are two cooks using the exact same ingredients to make different things. So I'm going to take it one step further than he did. Imagine Gus and Chad Morris are both on Chopped and <laughs> they've been asked to make a main course, but they have to use the same ingredients out of the Chopped box. Ryan, I don't know if you've ever watched the television show Chopped. It is a delight on the Food Network. Mm. Basically, the way it works is contestants are given a box of ingredients. They are random and nonsensical, and yet they're asked to make a either a main course, a dessert, or a app based on the contents of the box. So imagine, if you will, Gus Malzahn is sitting there next to Chad Morris. They're at the same kitchen, and they're each given a box. They open it. It's the same ingredients. They're going to make different things. But they're using the same stuff. So Ryan, so so Chad probably has it's the same playbook almost, but he's going to do different things and highlight different parts of the offense than Gus is going to highlight, and that goes back to the fact that they, you know, shared crib notes on how to formulate a high school offense. Well, can we talk about the one uh, quote that came out? I think from John Samuel Shanker this week about how first baseman in, in Chad Morris's offense. Uh, tight ends slash first baseman actually get route trees and not just plays that they run. <laughs> <laughs> As Crow takes a big Man. old step. You think about that, that that quote that I think that quote was not intended by John Samuel Schenker, Jingleheimer Schmidt, but to be negative, but I think it was taken by a bunch of bunkerites and people who <laughs> really don't like us. Mm-hmm. In the worst possible connotation. I I didn't check check out the reaction to it, but when I read it, I was like, "Oh, that's that's bait right there." Oh yeah, <laughs> just bait. chumming the chumming the water, just throwing it right to him. Mm-hmm. The only thing that uh, we could have added to that was you know running plays out of the sugar huddle with route trees. Man. <laughs> <laughs> The thing, the thing about it is, you've got um, two schools of thought. So, like when Cam was going into the elite, people were like, he made some comment, a very similar one, where Gus just taught, told, taught them the plays. Mm-hmm. They didn't learn the concepts, right. and that was a huge issue with some people. Like, oh, Cam, the plays are all called like one or three or seven because there's not like the super long name that an NFL play has so that everybody knows what everybody else is doing. And Cam turned out fine. So it's doing pretty good. You know what I mean? Like it's just the way some people teach things because there's a lot of people who learn like the tight end in Gus's office didn't need to know the full route tree. They only needed to know the six or seven routes that they were going to have to run on six or seven plays. Maybe even less than that. Probably yeah, wasn't that. We were never going to throw him the ball. 
Yeah. So why why would they have why would they need to know anything? Right. The only pl- only play they needed to know was uh, when the quarterback rolls out right to just kind of float out into the flat to the left, be open for the touchdown. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Go to defense. So I didn't think I didn't take it as a super. No, it hit. was just funny that he he seemed to hit on multiple oh, yeah. talking points over the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it really felt like he'd been reading the bunker and he just said that just to make, just to rile people <laughs> up. Like that's what it, that's what it felt like. So on defense, uh, there was a couple surprises there. Whereas, you know, the offense was pretty straightforward. Um, the other only... defensive tackle spot next to Tyron Truesdale, uh, you know, we thought it might be Daquan Newkirk or, uh, one of the JUCOs that they signed, but it ended up being Colby Wooden, a redshirt freshman, who we all thought was a defensive end. I mean, he's he was listed at the end of last year at you know six four two sixty something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he reports that he's kind of bulked up a little bit to move inside, um, but it seems like they're they're putting a lot of responsibility on the freshman, especially with uh, Kentucky coming up. It's just going to run right at him. Yeah, um, and and there's not an or next to his name. There's only yeah, one or in the starters. Starter. He's he's just mm-hmm. a straight up starter. It's pretty cool. But uh, funny enough, though the the or we have is between Owen Popo and Zacoby McLean, which is uh the Ricochet Rabbit. I believe what that, he that was to be called. I I guess I mean I guess that's not that surprising. I think Popo's the uh, Papo, however however you want to say it. It's Papo. Uh, I, I I think he's the the real starter, but they're gonna they'll they're gonna play pretty much just as much as one another. Yeah, I mean I think the three of them will probably rotate right into pretty equal snaps depending on the looks. It's Papa. Uh, I believe so. I mean, there's terrible terrible <laughs> tackle puns that can be made with that. I'm gonna let the listener come up with that and then send me a text message. <laughs> um, What's your number there, Carl? <laughs> Those who know it, know it. <laughs> uh, 10 uh, bucks at Center Crow and Venmo, and I'll give you my personal cell phone number. It's, uh, it's 1-800-CALL-CROW. Right? Yeah, that's what it is. Um, if, it was, if he was Hawaiian, it'd be Papoe. Oh, oh. Papoe. Yeah, there, there would be a, a apostrophe it's in there. Apostrophe. At least yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then he'd have to overcome the language barrier. And, I don't know. It might be a little more difficult. That's true. Uh, yeah. Did it, did it that, seem weird to you guys that we actually have eleven starters on offense and defense? I, yeah, I feel dude. like the, the starters over the last couple of years have grown into like fourteen starters on each side of the ball. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I'm looking at it now, and it's no, there's four defensive linemen, two linebackers, and five guys in secondary. Which lets yeah. you know that maybe it wasn't Gus doing the orbs. That may have been a position coach thing. Yeah, maybe I don't know. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> special teams, however, does has a has a several oars in here for you. Uh, Got more oars than the, a canoe. Uh, the, the punter battle with Aiden Marshall and Oscar Chapman. Yeah, which, which uh, uh, Chapman's yeah. the Aussie. 
Marshall punted for us two years ago. If That's right. I think he left the team, just stayed as an Auburn student last year. If he gets beaten out by another Australian punter, he's just going <laughs> to declare war in Australia. Uh, we or got a holder battle going on. What's that? Or he'll just move there and go, this is it. I have to go here now to learn to be a good punter. <laughs> it's an exchange program. Yeah. What if he goes and becomes gonna, a, He's going to go be a footy star. Exactly. Think, he's going to go become an Australian football player. Maybe the best yeah. of all time. Uh, is it, there's a, a battle at Holder, too, between you know, what you would expect with Grant Loy back up and Ben Patton. No idea who that is. I wish wish we would have had... Uh, General Ben Patton. Uh, Kalen Newton is the Holder. That, that would have been great, right? You know, when you're, your backup quarterback used to always be your holder, at least when you played NCAA, right? Sure. Or Usually, your, when, or your starting quarterback. It's like Gus has always used like a, yeah, a defensive has. back or right. skill position guy. Right. I'm, or, I'm thinking before Gus. Randomly, there's like a there's teams that have like their punter is their holder, and that's only so they can like practice together. Yeah, they don't have to get rid of any skill players during practice. Yeah, I feel like that's more common in the NFL where. Yeah. You've only got 53 guys in the roster, so you got to make them do everything. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then it looks like Christian Tut's going to return punts again this year. He was excellent at it last year. Um, did he get – I want to say he got all all SEC at punt returner last year. Maybe second team or something like that. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's interesting that there are no – like it's just the two guys on kick returns. There's no like – backups for those yeah. guys and i'm sure we'll see you know other guys cycle through like surely maybe mark anthony richards or um anthony schwartz yeah but, when we're blowing blowing teams out you know like alabama uh lsu kentucky. yeah i don't like that charles barkley put kentucky on on wax put it on wax that kentucky is on notice i mean <laughs> like that was yeah. not I'm not, I don't like bulletin board material from celebrities on national television <laughs> because I'm not as confident in this game as apparently Las Vegas is. What is it, yeah. like a touchdown right now? Uh, no, it opened at seven. It's now ten and a half. One point I saw. <laughs> ten and a half <laughs> is free money is, my, is what I think because I don't ugh, I don't like that. I, w- I wouldn't touch that, ten This and could half. be a game Auburn – leads for most of the game and then how, it's like, oh man it's a four-point game how can you even bet on these games you've seen how awful all these other teams have been and, and uh, the commentary that from from people in the auburn fan base is to make fun of all these other teams looking bad i'm like you have Bro. no idea how we're gonna look yeah it's been a weird year yeah, we didn't have the, a spring we missed weeks of practice because of it, quarantine it's the not just auburn we're fans. gonna be able to make fun of ourselves it's well it's sec fans in general are acting like all like the sec teams oh there's no way that any of them will look this bad and it's like really like nobody had a spring um it i've watched enough texas a&m football they're gonna be bad the only <laughs> teams that have figured it out is uh is baylor baylor's got it figured out just can't army Baylor's just cancel every week because Baylor's now on their fourth try to start the season. Their first try was normal. That got canceled. Their second try was against, I want to say, Louisiana Tech. Canceled because of COVID cases on Tech. The third try was supposed to be like this weekend. Actually, maybe like tonight or some random week, weekday game against Houston. 
Well, they scheduled that Houston game like five days ago too. Yeah, and they got canceled yesterday. They canceled it because of Baylor has contact tracing. They had one guy test positive, but because of that, eight people who were like a whole position group can't play. So they've canceled the game. And so now, next week, will be their first game of the season against Kansas. Allegedly. Unless they, if Baylor may have figured it out, let's just cancel every game. And then, <laughs> and we'll just keep practicing for the one game. Play that one game. Oh, we won. Well, if they're going to play one undefeated. game, this is the undefeated one Undefeated season. Right? You can hang a banner. Big 12 champs. <laughs> Meanwhile, Auburn's going to try to play every game. You watch. We're going to play with a bunch of freshmen. Or, high, or like university, random university students out there playing defensive back at some point. This is how we get Kalen Newton playing quarterback. <laughs> Maybe it. Or Bo Nix playing free safety too. It's going to be NFL street style. You get seven guys. They both they play both ways. And uh, I already so. mentioned that I think in the Slack a couple of weeks ago that this before we had actually announced that we were going to have a season. I was like, they should just play seven on seven. Call this season a wash. And then everybody can play seven on seven because then you've got a ton of kids to choose from. As long as they get seven healthy ones, you can play. <laughs> Be looking like a, a 1A high school football game. Here in Texas, they play six man. 20 kids in the whole team. In Texas, the 1A, some of the smaller than 1A schools play six man football. It is awesome. Yeah, they, they, uh, they missed an opportunity to just play some games with some wacky rules and stuff, too. Six man football is like you got. I want to say you got three linemen and everybody's eligible. I'm pretty sure. And so it's uh, like, it's like PE football. Yeah. It's almost like intramural flag. Three yeah. linemen. There's a bunch of other wacky rules. The, the field is shorter. Um, yeah. It's, it's wild. It's, it's worth a, it's worth a gander, a gander on the old YouTube's Texas six man football because heaven forbid these schools say we can't have a football team. We only got 10, gra- 10 kids in our graduating class. No, they're going to, they're going to do it. <laughs> She'll play six on six. Are there any, are there any schools that like that are small that like get together for athletics? I don't know if that still out happens there. out here. There might be maybe out in West Texas. You don't I mean, yeah. There are more people in my neighborhood than in some counties in West Texas. That's, that's wild. So. Um, there's probably more people in your neighborhood than there are in some some counties in Alabama. Too. Yeah, there's more <laughs> counties in Georgia than in Texas, I believe, which is even weirder. Yeah, that's... <laughs> it's all well, different. Texas, Texas has pretty pretty big uh, pretty big counties, don't they? Yeah, Brewster County out West Texas is larger than I think New England. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Could be wrong. That's wild. We've been known to be wrong here in Texas. Um, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will discuss some more things to talk about. What's the time? At 37 minutes, we are back. Not 37 minutes, sorry, 35 minutes. 34 minutes and 30 seconds, exactly. How about them Braves? I forgot to say that at the beginning of the show. They clinched it without giving up any runs. Hey, man, sorry. they did it. <laughs> They are. They're the ones. Now we just have to win a playoff series for the first time in my memory. Oh my God, Ryan, are you serious? Uh, yeah, pretty sure. Wasn't it 2003? Oh, I was eight. Jeez, Ryan, I'm so sorry. I keep forgetting. You the first Braves playoff game I remember watching 
all the way through was the Astros game um, where they, yeah, they, they didn't win. I'm so sorry, Ryan. So very sorry. Yeah. I'm it is right. what it is. I can remember when Deion Sanders played for the Braves. Me too. And I wasn't even a Braves fan. I was. Those are those are fun times. It was fun. It's fun to be a Braves fan back then, Ryan. Real fun. Uh, you know what? I'm sure it was. <laughs> so, Ryan, tell me a little bit about the Kentucky Wildcat football team. Wow. <laughs> Who are you, my dad? Uh, so, if you watch the Kentucky, are you just like the the stadium noise that they do whenever like after kickoff? Yeah, no, yeah I'm my... thinking of I'm thinking of uh, Wildcat from the movie The Royal Tenenbaums, and Owen Wilson wrote a book called Wildcat. Uh, right, right, um, right. And he just keeps saying Wildcat, wow, Wildcat, and then he just leaves the interview. Yeah, the best line from that movie is about General Custer, because he wrote a book called Old Custer. It's about General Custer growing old, which obviously didn't happen. <laughs> and he explains the book by saying, everybody knows that Custer died about a little bighorn. What this book presupposes, though, is maybe he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, one of the best lines. Yes. It's a great movie. All right, Ryan, who is Terry Wilson, and why should we be terrified of him returning at quarterback? Are we terrified of Terry? Absolutely. Uh, so Terry Wilson is the quarterback who didn't really play last year. Uh, he got hurt at the beginning of the season, which led way to the Lynn Bowden experience, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but he's made his way to the NFL now. I'm super uh, glad we didn't play. We don't. He's not on the team this year. Yeah. That, I'm I, super I, glad I'm they aren't doing the they aren't doing that this season because that that would terrify me. <laughs> Uh, so he actually he was the quarterback in 2018 on that team that won 10 games and beat Florida and I think beat Penn State. My memory serves. Um, I I completely forgot that Kentucky was 10 wins. Yeah, Kentucky was a borderline top 10 for a little bit two years ago. Jeepers, creepers, we're gonna lose this game. They had they had the good Josh Allen <laughs> and Benny Snell. The good Josh Allen. Uh, no, so he he didn't really have to do a ton because they had Benny Snell and he was just focal point of the offense. I mean, he he played in every game and didn't even get to two thousand yards throwing or six hundred yards rushing. Um, he had eleven touchdowns, eight picks, but and he wasn't really throwing the ball downfield because he had a like almost a seventy percent completion percentage, and that only got him nineteen hundred yards. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that we don't have to worry a ton about the passing game in this one. Um, they're going to try and run it right up the gut and do it early and early and often. They're getting all three of their running backs back. Um, they all played pretty equally last year. Uh, I think it's like 2,000 yards, 18 touchdowns between the three of them. Um, and they've got a guy for everything. I mean, they've got senior... AJ Rose, who's the starter, he's kind of the all-around back. They've got uh, all SEC name Cavazier Smoke, who's their Whoa. speed back, yeah. and then uh, Christopher Rodriguez Jr. is their little five ten two twenty bowling ball. We have to we have to remember that they do they do all this 
they have this sort of that's this what I consider st- statistical success there, those running backs. Um, but they do this in the uh, the SEC East, which is not that impressive. Well, it's not like it's the Big Ten. Eh. Or like, they're not playing against the All-American Conference or something like that. That's a conference, I think. Yeah, that's true. It is. The AAC. Yeah. Oh, well, I, is it now? I don't know, but <laughs> I think that that's a conference. I think they're playing their games even. Okay. But yeah, I, I couldn't be sure. I, I I am trying to convince myself that we're not going to lose to this team. So, Ryan, are you there? I no, think we lost. We lost him, Chief. The good news is the last time I was this nervous about us losing a game was last year against Mississippi State. Hmm. I was convinced we were losing that game. I convinced. And well, we won by a lot. I, I just think this is tricky, mainly because of what I was saying earlier. Like, we have no idea what anybody's going to look like. Like, we could be making mistakes. We could be sloppy all over the field. It's our first game, yeah. and there is, there's no – I mean, in the SEC, it's – uh. It may be if if you have to start with an SEC game, it, it may be the the biggest parachute you could hope for. Um, I guess you could get you know get Vandy or uh, uh, any one of the other mm-hmm. not, Arkansas at this point, but you know it could be way worse than Kentucky. But it's still, um, I mean, clearly these are guys that had success a couple of years ago. Um, and and we just we, we really don't know what to expect either team to look like uh, from a execution standpoint. I would think so. Yeah. Can y'all hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome Yay, back, Rick. I think I think yeah I think you're absolutely right. The fact that we literally had a couple of weeks where we couldn't have a full practice. Yeah. Like. And and I know it's not just us, so it, it's not even that. Like my, it's just my whole thing is we don't know how any of these teams are going to look like. That's why I've held back on making fun of how bad some of these other teams have looked, because you just don't know. Right. Um, and th- this game is, I mean, in my uh, preseason prediction, this is the one. Uh, out of the three big ones that I think we could lose that I'm the most concerned about just because of that. Yeah. All right. So, you guys have any idea who the leading receiver was on this team last year? Uh, Speedy Noel. I, I know. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> That's the wrong school. <laughs> yeah. He's also the leading passer and leading uh, rusher, Lynn oh. Bowden Jr. <laughs> That's that unbelievable. Led the team with 30 catches for 350 yards. That is like some high school stat. That is, <laughs> that's some triple option stuff. That's some high school BS. That's the, that's the, that's the they, I um, say. Kentucky has a has a history of getting just guys that could just do anything though. Like Randall Cobb was Randall one Cobb, of those guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Hefty Lefty. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he could do anything. <laughs> he can um, throw and run. The <laughs> ample luck. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'd like to see Randall Cobb get out there and uh, block a 300-pound lineman. Uh, but, um, yeah, um, 
I don't know. I I am nervous about it just just because of what I said. But I I think I I mean my gut tells me Auburn should win this game. Um, I mean we've seen pretty focused. Um, we return a quarterback that did well in some areas and not so well. Struggled in some others. Uh, I I think this the the passing game that, that we're gonna have this year should help him a lot. Um, thinking having, the healthy Anthony Schwartz is going to yes, go a long there, ways. Just having healthy receivers, period, yeah, uh, is it will help a lot. Uh, I mean, if you remember, we did beat a fairly decent Oregon team to open the season last year. Um, so somehow, somehow. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there I, there are reasons to think that we should definitely win this game. Yeah, I mean. The way Auburn loses this game, I mean, you have to believe that either the offense literally can't get off the mat. I mean, we're talking less than 10 points. Yeah. Or you don't trust the the new defensive line. Uh, and my, my counterpoint to that would be well, you've still got the best linebacker court in the country behind them, mm-hmm. even if the defensive line struggles. It's true. Because uh, I mean, this, te- this is a very good – uh, ground game that we're going to be going against a you know, three seniors on the offensive line. They're pretty much turning everybody there. Right. Uh, and we do have some, you know, we're losing two of our best defensive linemen in program history. I mean, one of the top three and, you know, Marlon Davidson's probably top 20. Um, and the argument's been made that Jerry Brown was the third best player in program history. Not on our show, but not on our show. You know, that, that was a take. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go there, but he's a good player. I, I think he's one of the two best defensive linemen in program history. Fair. He's probably one of the two best defensive yeah. players, minimum. Well, I guess so. Carlos Rogers and Tracy Rocker are the yeah other options. Yeah. Um. Well. Yeah. So yeah, replacing those guys is going to be difficult. Uh, I'm a big fan of Tyron Truesdale. I think he's going to have a big year. Um. Because he, I mean, he was a under like a three star, maybe two star guy as a recruit, and you know struggled getting into game shape as a freshman a couple years ago, and now he's the anchor of this defensive line. And even as a as a, as a big guy, he's three thirty, I think three twenty, and he's was still in the backfield all the time last year. Um, I, I'm a I'm a big believer in his and. Uh, He'll get his chance to shine in this game. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them definitely be able to move the ball up and down the field on us. Um, but I think, uh, we've I don't seen, think they're going to have any explosive plays, though, is the thing. Yeah, that, that's true. And that's usually what um, kills Auburn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. On both sides. Usually what kills, um, what kills, what killed Auburn in the past is a lack of explosive plays on offense and giving up too many explosive plays on defense. Yeah. But even it, but even if they can move it up and down the field on us, I, you know, once we get it inside the thirty-five or so, we we usually lock it up. And I, I don't exp- right. I don't see any reason for that not to continue. Um, once they have less field to work with, our linebackers can sort of shut things down, even if they're moving the ball. All right, look into your your magic, uh, your crystal ball right now. 
what is the number one complaint this Saturday on Twitter? Are we complaining about something with the offense, about Hobo oh, Nicks? He's, he's just not it. Is it, uh, is it the play calling with Chad Morris? What, what's going on? There's going to be a complaint. It's going to be a, it's gonna be a third unless down Unless this play. looks like the Mississippi State game last year, there's going to be complaints. Um, it's it's going to be a third down play. Auburn doesn't get it, and we go three and out. Why? And people are going to be like, this is the same thing Because we Gus pass ran. on third and two? This is Gus's offense. I think I think it'll be uh, we run it three three times straight inside our own ten uh, <laughs> more than once in the game, just straight up the middle three times in a row. Same, same old, same old. We we stopped doing that as much last year. I don't know if anybody noticed that, mm-hmm. but because we couldn't I, get a push up the middle and yeah, right. Uh, best running back wasn't really a power back. I think we're gonna we're we're gonna return to that, and yeah. it's gonna make some people pretty angry. I really think something. I, I truly believe something broke on the offense in the LSU game in 2018 on that fourth and one that just. They got stuffed. Yeah. Um, and ever since then, just it, the offensive line didn't didn't work, whatever the, the whole offense, I don't know. Because um, bef- even before that, in that even that LSU game and the Washington game, I mean, the offense was good. And since then, not so much, but. Pretty much resetting now with the offensive line and whole uh, new guys at running back, uh, new offensive coordinator. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm I'm having a hard time holding my optimism in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm pretty optimistic too. I, I I feel good about it. I feel um, good about it on the outside. Yeah, like I would tell people Auburn's going to win. <laughs> but inside, I have a deep fear of this game. I mean, I, I think the important thing to remember is it's not the end of the world if we lose this game. That's true. Ten-game uh, season, all-conference games, no one knows what anyone's going to look like, and yeah. it could be a two-loss, three-loss SEC champion. Hey, and the I, problem I, is it is the end of the world once you go 0-2 if you lose to Kentucky and Georgia. Right. Uh, that's true. I, um, I, I was listening to the Steam Room with uh, Chuck and Ernie this week, Chuck, uh, Sir Charles and uh, Ernie uh, – Johnson and uh, Bruce and uh, Gus were on there and Gus, uh, it was really cool listening to Gus talk. Like he is sort of a different person than you're used to seeing on anything right. else basically. And um, he, uh, he said his, their message to the players was that they feel like Auburn is at an advantage with this 10 game schedule because now everyone else in the conference has to play as tough a schedule as Auburn is used to playing. That's true. Um, I, I don't, I don't think it's 100% true. Um, I don't think Alabama's schedule got any tougher and I don't, I, I don't think there's a few teams. That it I don't takes think takes out the fluff games. Yeah. It, it takes out the fluff games, but I just, you know, everybody didn't add Georgia and Alabama to their schedule. Who did it? Who did Alabama add? Missouri, right? And uh, Vandy? No. Did they go Missouri? I want to say... I'm pretty sure it was Missouri. They did get Missouri. I think they played Missouri the last week of the season. Um, They had Missouri, Tennessee, Georgia, and South Carolina, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be right. Maybe. I know they're not playing Florida. 
Florida came out of this uh, looking really good. Yeah. At least schedule. I mean, so I've been passing around a season prediction thing to some of the other SB Nation sites, and more than one person has had Florida coming out of it out of this is 10 and 0. I mean, if they, they were to upset Georgia, maybe even call it an upset. They I don't have, have Auburn. Georgia. They don't have Alabama. LSU's super down. Um, I made that, that call on this show last year. That Florida was going to be really good this year. <laughs> Didn't see it uh, playing out exactly like this. No. I'm sure. But I Alabama also gets Kentucky. So it's Missouri, Kentucky, wow, Georgia, Tennessee. Rich get richer. Uh, but yeah, you think Joey Gatewood is the quarterback on this team by November twenty first. I hope so. Yes, I hope that he scores a hundred points. That's the weirdest thing that that has not been sorted out. Well, there's a gentleman's agreement. Did you hear? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I think if that comes out to be true, people are going to be really mad at Kentucky. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. I think they would be mad at Auburn, mad at Kentucky. Yeah, mad I don't at think anybody else would care. I don't think anybody else would care if that's the if that's actually true. I, it'll just be Kentucky fans. They're like, why Why would you make if this? he's our best quarterback, why did yeah. you? Yeah. They just need but, to announce something with the basketball schedule that day as well. Yeah. Hey, guess what? And then it'll just blow over. Are Here's we Coach sure? Cal holding a new puppy. Are we sure he's their best quarterback, though? That's, that may be what it is. No, it but I think be... the frustration is that they never really get to right. uh, find out. Unless there's a gentleman's agreement. It may not be a gentleman's agreement. It may be that they did see him in practice and they're like, yeah, we'll just we'll just redshirt him. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering. But everybody's redshirting this year. Yeah. All right, well, guys, that's all we got. Are we going to uh, put, put scores in the game? Okay, yeah. Chief, well, what's the score of this game? Um... You know what? Let's see. I think we'll we'll score thirty-seven points. And what will they score? Twelve. Whoa! Oh man! God. <laughs> <laughs> From your fun numbers. What? Wait. What's the spread? <laughs> ten and a half. Uh, I'll say ten. Oh, that's a. Hmm. Um. I'll, I'll let them. I'll let them score seventeen. We'll say that. Thirty-seven, seventeen. Sure. It's, that might change before we actually, you know, write an article. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, I. I think this one's going to actually end up being a low-scoring game simply because Kentucky's going to be running the ball so much, so it's not it's not going to be a ton of possessions. Um. So I'll get. I'll say. Auburn 27, Kentucky 13. It's going to be a decent amount of field goal kicking here. I got Auburn 34, Kentucky 24. That's that's a that's reasonable. Well, 37-12 is what I hope it is. Just because a 12 yeah, is, a sweet, is a sweet score. Yeah. It's just field goals for it. <laughs> <laughs> Four field goals. That's all we oh, that We're going to get a safety. Oh, and, sweet. Uh, yeah, I hope that you're like the lady, the, the chick from uh, the Water Boy, and you're just like it is, it's like the safety happens, and all of a sudden I get a text from Chief just saying, "I told you, it's what it's gonna be." <laughs> Thirty-seven, twelve. 
I ain't a guess. It's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. All right. See y'all next week after all yeah. the wins, 37-12. Oh, no.